This is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County, welcoming you to the May 2021 edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, our monthly interview show, the second Monday of each month, on WPKN 89.5 FM, bringing you news and information about the arts and culture across coastal Fairfield County. This month, the Cultural Alliance and its collective action against racism and inequity. In this period of heightened awareness and sensitivity to racial inequity, the lack of inclusion, and to both conscious and unconscious bias in general and racism in particular, we have in several recent programs focused attention in particular on the vigor, vitality and importance of the arts and culture of the black community. Last July, for example, we heard the voices of three black women artists, Tara Blackwell, Alicia Cobb and Shanna Melton, all members of the Cultural Alliance speaking about their art, their lives, and their thoughts about this period of heightened awareness of black lives and black culture. We followed this up in August uh, when we heard about Westport's Beechwood Art Center's Amplify Festival of black art and artists where black visual and performing artists were invited to show and perform collaboratively at Beechwood and to share their thoughts on these issues. And then in February, we heard about the importance of going beyond Black History Month to explore and celebrate Black arts and culture year round. This month, we're turning the spotlight onto the work that the Cultural Alliance itself has been doing in this area and how thinking about who and what we are as a coalition, the work we do and our future development as a membership organization is being shaped by these issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion. As many of you do know, the Cultural Alliance is a membership nonprofit serving some 550 cultural venues, creative for-profits, <laughs> and individual artists across this region of coastal Fairfield County. So just first, a, a little bit of history, starting Back in, in March, last March, March 2020, as we all became aware of how serious the impacts of the pandemic were going to be, we at the Cultural Alliance began to have weekly community calls on Zoom across our whole membership about how people were dealing with the pandemic, what they wanted to share, what questions and concerns they had. By late May and June, with many parts of our nation erupting in response to the murder of George Floyd as the latest case of extreme police violence against black people, the issues of racism and inequity arose. What could we be doing collectively? Listening to what members were saying on these calls, we first published our own statement against racism on our website, together with statements from some of our members, asserting first of all that of course statements were not enough and should just be a beginning. We then organized a series of open public conversations that we called Collective Action Against Racism and Inequity or CARI, led by consultants Valeria and Andrea Lopez based in Stamford. We started in September to hold three of these conversations over Zoom 
in which Valeria and Andrea and other guests they brought in led us through some very interactive sessions, getting us to think about how privilege and systemic racism shows itself in ourselves, our society, and in particular within the world of arts and culture. They showed us ways we could move forward by developing greater empathy and how to think about starting this job of dismantling racism in our organizations and the ways we interact in our everyday lives. What, what could some best practices be in moving forward? We had some 50 people attend each of these three conversations and then we invited those particularly engaged to sign up for a more intensive group workshop in which we could work from reflection on individual circumstances, circumstances and context through organizing into working groups around certain key themes and then working individually to outline and prepare specific sets of action. This group includes just over 20 participants representing staff and board members of 11 of our organizations and several individual artists. And today we've invited five participants representing four of these projects who I'll introduce in a little bit. But first I'd like to introduce my colleague at the Cultural Alliance, John Cusano, who has been working with us for the past two years as our project and research consultant, and who's been key in helping us design these and other programs that hopefully will internalize and institutionalize these values of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now, John's had extensive experience in many different parts of the arts world. He's run a, an art gallery in Norwalk, run the Farmington Valley Arts Center for five years, and was the community development coordinator at the Connecticut Office of the Arts for 11 years. So welcome, John. Great to Thanks, have you. David. So first, um, John, you've been working on issues of racism and inequity for some time. Can you give us a thumbnail of how that awareness started in you and perhaps some of the work you've been doing individually and with others to raise awareness and begin to make some changes? Yeah, that's a great question, David. Thank you. You know, my interest was always there because my earliest experiences of trying to understand the world came out of this very self-contained Italian-American family where I was in kind of two cultures back and forth all the time, never fully in what I saw as the dominant white culture and yet um, more fully in the Italian-American, which tended to sort of ostracize me in some ways and some minor discrimination. But what I was able to see was how much discrimination and racism there was within society in a very big way. I felt like in the middle between all of that. And uh, so equity issues have always been at the forefront of my experience, very wrapped up in class and kind of, you know, the way our society works and doesn't work. So when I left the state in 2016, I was very interested to kind of join up with everyday democracy I volunteered to be a Connecticut civic ambassador and then met some people at the Ferguson Library in Stanford who were very interested in 
putting together a series of public dialogues. And I was also working in dialogue at the time. So we ran these uh, six-week public programs, six-week conversations, meet once a week for about two hours. And so I helped to facilitate, and I also helped um, completely redesign the Everyday Democracy six-week dialogue series agenda that we were using. I had great colleagues I was working with in Stanford. It was a wonderful experience, and I got to be in and a part of all of those conversations. We ran four or five of those before COVID came about and kind of put an end to it. We did one digitally just a short while ago with a, a group of churches. Um, I've also had a number of trainings, like weekend trainings uh, regarding racism and so forth, which have been difficult and have sat in and among various groups uh, throughout the state doing that. And just have always done lots of reading and study on my own. Equity is a, a, a key characteristic, I believe, in self-organizing systems. So I'm interested in it from that point of view alone. That's great. And um, we've certainly benefited from that um, experience, those experiences you've, you've been having. How's working with us at the Cultural Alliance um, um, affected? what you've done, I mean. Well, that's all good, I have to report. <laughs> um, I, I will say that there aren't a lot of organizational clients that I've had that are as eager to really look at very difficult and challenging changes that need to be made. And, and I feel like, you know, we're living at a time where we're seeing so many of the systems that we have relied on and trusted for decades, if not centuries, uh, kind of unravel in front of our eyes. So David, when we started, it was shaping community and a, and a project where you were eager to try some ideas and have these town meetings where the bottom line was about hearing every voice. And we designed a dialogic process to do that. It worked really well. We were very excited about it. I was excited that you were excited about it. <laughs> and from there, we moved further and further. That work kept evolving. Currently, we've got some great plans in place that will operationalize equity in the way the Cultural Alliance works that I'm really excited about. So... I was so pleased that you asked me to join the community conversations because this issue of equity and racism had really become such a major part of that conversation. So that opportunity to kind of co-create this community of practice, um, I think we all need help in figuring out how to do these things differently. Every voice really is important and bring some creative piece of the puzzle with them to the conversation. So I'm having like the best time working for the Cultural Alliance. That's great uh, to hear. And, and just love every minute of it, so. Thank you, thank you. It's great having you with us, John. Uh, so Thanks. now I'd like to introduce our guests, uh, a small sample of those engaged in this work with us. First, uh, Jana Irejo, a visual artist, a, a painter who grew up in Hawaii and is now based in Westport. Welcome, Jana. Hi, thank you. 
from Project Music, a free after-school music program in Stanford. We have executive director Felice Miller-Barretts and board member David Tate. Uh, David is also the principal at Stanford's Clunan Middle School. Welcome, Felice and David. Thank you, David. Great to be here. And then from the Center for Contemporary Printmaking in Norwalk, uh, well, please welcome Executive Director Kimberly Henriksen. Nice to have you with us, Kimberly. Thank you, David. And the Frank and Clara Meditz Executive Director at Fairfield University Art Museum, also President of the Connecticut Art Trail, Carrie Weber. Welcome, Carrie. Thanks, David. So um, first, let's talk pretty broadly about the the sea that we find ourselves in of, of racism and inequity. Um, let me start with a two-part question. Um, first, when George Floyd died last year, close to a, a year ago, and many parts of the nation erupted, um, how alive would you say you were to the fact of racism in, in our lives at that time? And then to follow up, when you signed up for our conversation series in September, and then the workshops, would you say there was a particular problem that you knew you needed to address at that time? Or would you say you felt you wanted a, just a greater understanding of what was going on and what needed to be done? So I'll start just by going around the room. Uh, Jana? I was, I've always been aware of racism. Um, I've moved several times, but I also feel like I've been in a privileged situation because I've moved to very multicultural um, places. And I grew up with this knowledge that my uncles and relatives had been involved with the 442nd during the war and Japanese internment camps. And oh that was always part of our, um, our family story, but there is a motto, it's, it cannot be helped, it must be endured. And I, when George Floyd happened, I was devastated and ashamed because I think that model minority myth and that Asian way, and I'm speaking broadly of just kind of setting an example, um, really, is, it just woke me up that it doesn't have to be endured. If we can do something, mm -hmm. we have to do something. And that's why I'm here. And I'm very grateful to be a part of these workshops. Great, thank you. Um, David, David Tate. Well, growing up as a black male in the United States, um, racism has been an experience that I have lived with all my life. So certainly it's nothing new for me. Um, what I did find remarkable uh, was the reaction of so many people that I think either um, I'm trying to find the right word here, but I, I, I think people believed once Barack Obama was elected that somehow we were now in a post-racial society yeah. and yeah. that we had arrived and achieved. Yeah. Um, and so what I found remarkable about the reaction to George Floyd's murder was that people realized uh, no, this is an ongoing struggle. Uh, and so what I found valuable and attractive uh, in the carry work is um, 
people coming together to say, no, we can't just go back to pretending that it's over, uh, but that we need to find ways to work collectively to, uh, to truly address the systemic issues that sustain, uh, that sustain racism. Um, so that's where uh, I, I found it in some strange way hopeful. Right, right, thank you. Um, and Felice. Um, Um, I, um, I have spent about the last 10 years being actively engaged as a special educator and a social justice educator. Um, and, and so um, this idea of systemic racism was not at all new to me. Um, but um, after George Floyd was murdered, the, um, the explosion of response in the country um, was, it, it was shocking. And um, I, I would say like Jana, I, I had deep feelings of shame um, for, for all of the people that we were still hearing from saying that this wasn't a problem. Um, yeah. that, that felt really shocking to me um, and very, very upsetting to me. Um, and, and because I work in an organization that represents, you know, almost 100% people of color in Stanford, um, we, had, we had this sort of outreach from our families, mm. like, how do we talk about this with our children? What, what, what's going on? Mm. And, um, and so the stories I was hearing that, that, members of the community were sharing with me were, were deeply, deeply troubling. Um, and, and so being involved in, in Carrie and in this really broad minded community opportunity, um, I, I just felt like I had so much to learn and I, I needed to learn how to listen better. And also this, this like really like aha moment for me of recognizing the need to be able to speak to different people in different ways about the issue of racism and bias. And um, mm. so it's been, it's been an amazing experience for me to do that learning with, with all of the people here and all the people who have been participating over these last months. Um, and, and it's given me a lot to think about, a lot to chew on, a lot to okay. work on. That's great, thank you. Um, and Kimberly, at, you are at the Center for Contemporary Printmaking. Yes, um, I mean, I, I'm not originally from this area. I'm from a pretty rural town in Southeastern Pennsylvania. And so I've kept a broad network of friends and family and, I mean, I would say that I've, I've grown very aware of how deeply ingrained racism and its effects um, have been through so many different pieces of the way we operate in this country. And like, you can hear it and see it in small ways and big ways. Um, and so for me, um, here in Norwalk at the Center for Contemporary Printmaking, I, my concern has been um, 
broadening our outreach because through the carry group, um, it's really helped me pull apart how we've been founded um, and how our projects and programs and expectations for our audience and how we build um, involvement and um, support, like how they've been shaped by a kind of a historic picture of who we service and who um, our intended audience is. And I'm really hopeful that through the work that we're doing, that I can try and tease that apart. Um, but I've been so happy to see so many people from other organizations involved and to hear the concerns and the needs that we have because it's clear we're not alone. And also that it is a long-term project. It's not something that's going to be answered with a quick fix. Right. And so it's going to need to be an ongoing um, long-term project to do. And I think it's very valuable to do. Yeah, thank you. Um, and, and Carrie, Carrie, you are working at the Fairfield University um, Art Museum. Um, what's your uh, sense of uh, first becoming aware of racism and um, um, how it's been working with you? Yeah, I want to just uh, echo uh, so many of the things that everyone has said, but particularly Kimberly, because we work in a similar, um, you know, uh, situation um, of being a, 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 a museum type um, institution um, with lots of programs and outreach. So we're, we're grappling with a lot of the problems that that Kimberly described. Um, when George Floyd was murdered um, last June, I I've, I've at that time, I would have said, or the day before, I would have said, I'm very aware of racism and um, that I had been actively working in our museum, you know, um, with thoughts of how to make it a more anti-racist place, how to make it a more welcoming and inclusive place. But um, I think like um, many other people, um, my eyes were kind of opened um, in that moment and I, came to realize um, how much work uh, we had to do. And that's, that's kind of been an evolution and Carrie has helped with that. You know, you think you have answers and then you realize you just have a lot more questions um, <laughs> and, and a lot, um, a lot more uh, work to do. But, um, you know, my staff came together um, last summer and, um, you know, I have a very, very small staff um, and we're all white women. Um, so uh, it was, um, you know, what what could we do as a as a um, part of a parent? You know, we're we're a, we have a parent organ organization that we are um, under. So it makes our life a little complicated in that we can't just unilaterally um do some things that we might like to do, um, but um, it kind of opened our eyes also to, you know, the environment that our museum was in. Um, but we, we did write a solidarity statement like many other people and, and but worked really hard on making a, a list of um, items that we felt like where we could start this work and um, start down this path. So it's, it's and Carrie has certainly been um, very um, supportive in that work. Well, thank you, thank you all for that. Um, 
If you're just joining us, this is David Greenwood, the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County, and our May edition of Spotlight on Arts of Culture, our monthly interview show on WPKN 89.5 FM. Today, our subject is our own program, Collective Action Against Racism and Inequity, or CARI, a series of workshops building a community of practice around creating individual or organizational projects to combat racism and inequity in our communities. Our guests today are artist Jana Irejo from Project Music in Stanford, Executive Sorry, Director Felice Miller. Could you please repeat what you um, said? Uh, Barrett's and board member David Tate, principal at the Clunan Middle School. Kimberly Hendrickson, executive director of the Center for Contemporary Printmaking in Norwalk, and Carrie Weber, the Frank and Clara Meditz executive director at the Fairfield University Art Museum. So before the break, we, were start, we started out by talking about what each of your experiences or senses of racism was before you joined. How would you say being part of what is now a Cary community of practice has helped you learn about or understand racism and what are individual or collective responsibilities should be? Uh, how has joining in with this kind of collective approach been more helpful or effective than working on these issues by, by yourselves. Uh, we've touched a little on this. If you could go a little deeper, anyone? Uh, David, if I may, um, what I've found most valuable in this is, well, there, there are multiple things, but uh, it's helping me to refine how I communicate to a broader network of people uh, about um, racism and our ability to act collectively um, to fight against it. Uh, I, I would also say that um, it has been important for me um, because I'm also an, an actor and musician um, to bring this work into the arts field. Uh -huh. uh, I think in many ways it's been kind of, uh, you know, limited to, to politics or to, um, you know, education or, or other fields and the arts have somehow been um, left sort of insulated against it. And yet, um, as we've seen with the, uh, the letter to white American theater, um, you know, the, we see you, um, that this is an area where it also needs to be confronted, that there is also systemic racism that we need to address. Uh, so I found it very valuable in, in that sense. Uh, yeah, I, I will add in, um, agreeing with what, what David said, but also um, for me, um, especially as a white Jewish woman leading an organization that serves primarily people of color, um, my, my sort of dawning awareness, I, I've always known how important culture in an organization is. The sort of con the the sort of thoughts about what we mean when we talk about organizational culture, um, and and 
sort of recognizing in this aha moment in a, in a really deep, meaningful way that what we're talking about when we talk about culture is all of these things that we're addressing through our anti-racism work, that, that it, there are a million <laughs> different little feelings and thoughts and beliefs that all of us hold and, and recognizing that, you know, as, as I said before, when I'm talking to some people, primarily white men, um, that I can't make any assumptions about what they understand. And, and so that's important. Yeah, I think this is a really interesting point about culture, the culture of organizations um, and how so much is unspoken and um, culture is one of those things very often we kind of absorb and exude, but don't necessarily talk about. Um, and one of the thing great things for organizations in making explicit their values um, or, or, or talking about their culture, I think, is to raise um, those unspokens into the fresh air and... Um, perhaps to admit that there are a number of things that are that need to be ad addressed. Uh, Carrie, I think that um, you know, I had an experience recently with a, a older white male who I would never have talked about race with because I had made judgments that I just and assumptions that. Um, it wasn't going to go well, and I didn't want to go there. <laughs> um, and I think what this whole um, period has taught us is not only do we need to be talking about race all the time, but that there are lots of people, like-minded people out there that you don't realize. You know, I mean, that's not to say there's not lots of people out there whose hearts and minds still need to be changed, but... Um, I have found allies in places that I didn't expect to find allies. So it's been very interesting. And I'll just say in answer to your question, I think that um, Carrie has helped me um, with my understanding of racism and um, helping me to look at it more holistically um, and to um, help me um, in understanding, you know, really how it permeates everything in our society, which I, I mean, I knew some of, but it's just expanded on that. And, and just um, I, particularly helped me to understand that, you know, the path to an anti-racist society is, um, is not, you know, well-paved and, and straight. <laughs> you know, we, we have, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's hilly and um, not well-paved and we all have a lot of work to do to make our way down it. Oh, Kimberly. And I would also um, add to that, that working within the Cary group has helped reinforce for me that this is a really new path to tread, even though it's not a path we shouldn't have been going on. But historically, we've, we've had this kind of um, blind assumption about culture and how to talk about it or not to talk about it with assumptions. And so what's been difficult you know, for me and this group is helping is finding a way to voice these conversations, like using language that we haven't expanded on in the past. And it, it is a place of discomfort and to be accepting of the fact that, you know, this is going to be uncomfortable 
but it needs to happen and to find, I would say, a supportive and um, progressive group of people that want to help tread those paths and, and find that, that direction. Yes, I mean, it really has been extraordinary how, um, in my experience, both as, a, as an organizer, but also as a participant, how effective it is hearing other people's experiences, <laughs> um, both in terms of validation, but it also in opening out new, new ways. So uh, we've had this uh, uh, sense of the, of the organizational experience Jana, you are one of the artists in, in, in the group. And um, I wondered if you could talk about, um, so your experience and what's been happening to your um, work through this experience. I've been focusing on, uh, several months ago, on environmental issues and endangered species. And through this workshop, it quickly became apparent that environmental justice and, you know, everything is kind of at the, at the bottom of um, all the other issues. And I thought was really um, a word I always keep is when things get uncomfortable, you know, have wonder or have that sense of wonder. And I, you know, I appreciate the way the, the workshops kind of went slowly, didn't make a rush to take action. And for me, I realized that it was about, in my art project, providing a voice, um, because I think the individual stories are important to hear because they make up the universal. So right. you know, very personal is related to universal and the in-between making judgments for groups of people or that's where it gets dangerous. So I feel for my art project of, of connecting um, different groups, um, it all is important to pro provide a platform for people to share their stories and to be able to express their stories in an art form that is personal to them. Right, thank you. Uh, David, did you have a comment? No, actually, I, I think that was well said. Um, before we uh, move on, John, I wondered if you had anything to add as uh, the leader of this yeah. project. Thanks, David. You know, one of the things, first of all, it's really a treat to get to hear from all of you while we're not actually kind of doing the work together, but just reflecting on it. So that's really, uh, I'm very grateful for that. Of what I've heard, David uh, Green, is the goal that we set out for the way we got started with the collective, which is to give everyone spacious amount of room and time and conversation with one another to really more deeply understand where is your own context in this, your own stories, because racism affects every quadrant of the way we understand the, our lives and the world. It's right. deeply personal, internal beliefs and values. It's our behavior, but it's also social and cultural. And so uh, literally we have to try to absorb all of that, which is so overwhelming and complicated. So hearing everybody reflect on that and how that's helpful, I think is, just that's great. It's exactly what we were hoping for. 
Thank you. If you're just joining us, this is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County and our May edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, a monthly interview show on WPKN 89.5 FM. Today, our subject is our own program, Collective Action Against Racism and Inequity, or CARI. This is a series of workshops building a community of practice around creating individual or organizational projects to begin to combat racism and inequity in our communities. Our guests today are artist Jana Irejo from Project Music in Stamford, Executive Director Felice Miller-Barretts and board member David Tate, who is also principal at the Clunan Middle School, Kimberly Henriksen, Executive Director of the Center for Contemporary Printmaking in Norwalk, and Carrie Weber, the Frank and Clara Meditz Executive Director at the Fairfield University Art Museum. So I thought we should turn to some of the projects that you've been working on. Um, what can you share with our listeners about these projects against racism and inequity that you're undertaking? I understand you can't ne necessarily be uh, too specific, but um, I invite you to be as specific as you can be about what you're trying to do within this group and uh, if you like how, it, how it's going. Um, anyone? Kimberly. So my approach to this with respect to my organization has been to look at what our efforts can be in two different ways. One of them is related to our board, board development, board participation, and really thinking about um, who we involve, um, what we're valuing, and what benefits people can bring to us in ways that go beyond what we've traditionally been seeking out in board members. Right. Um, and that's going to be a, a longer term problem. That's you know, <laughs> something that we will continue to um, expand over time. Um, but also the other piece to it is looking at our programming and all of the different things that the center has to, to offer in an outward facing way. Like who are our audiences? Um, who's participating and what are the barriers that we inadvertently set up to allowing people to participate when we're not thinking about what people's capabilities are, what their access is, what uh, communication methods even that we use to reach out to people um, because the choices that we make in the way we do outreach um, affect who we actually are encouraging to get involved. Um, so those are things that I think we're going to be looking at kind of holistically across all of our programs going forward. Um, and some of it may work and some of it may not, but it's something that I think we have to commit to um, continuing to put effort behind. Because um, I, I think there's a real value to having a, a richer relationship with you know the, the people that we should be saying that we're providing services to and I would say clearly we're not um, it, it's a subset it's a, it's a very small subset of people and recognizing how we've um, historically 
um, you know, been, been doing things, you know, that that's the sort of spotlight that this group has helped, um, you know, shine on our work. Yes, thank you. That's, um, I, I know that in your work and our work, there, there's a lot of parallel and the word that I've been using a lot in terms of the way that I've been thinking about the cultural alliance more broadly is mindfulness and that sense of always having this pressure. It's like this extra question to always be asking um, in, in everything you do. You may have lots of ideas, but this is a the equity question, the accessibility question in the broadest sense of the word um, is something that needs to be constantly there, it seems. Um, Felice or David? Uh, yeah, I would love to. Um, so, so Project Music is an organization that's founded on the principles of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, so I knew when I started doing work with this organization that that was going to be an important part of the work. Um, so last July, when our new board was convened, um, we actually formed with with Dave Tate, uh, DEI task force. Um, so that's why we come to you together as a team, um, because we we have been doing this work together with Kari um, since before it actually started, and it provided us with a really wonderful uh, space to be able to explore what the work needed to be, um, but also. You know, in addition to that, we we already had started the work that Kimberly was speaking about, about making sure that our board was more diverse and more closely reflected the community that we're working in, um, which was honestly easier than I expected it to be. Um, but 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 again, that work is not over. It's ongoing. Um, and, and so examining our staff, which is primarily white men, musicians, um, and, and being intentional about talking about how important it is to bring um, both into the leadership and into our you know, general staffing, again, people who more closely represent um, the community we serve. The other thing to Kimberly is, is to really get out in our community and, and give them the opportunity to let us know what they need. Um, so we've started having um, parent meetings um, and I had one a week ago at, where we talked about setting up a parent network where we would have monthly meetings with our families and give them the opportunity to do everything from just talk about what's going on in their lives to provide them with resources to help their children deal with anxiety, to help them understand how to speak about anti-racism. So um, all, all of that has been fed and informed by, by this carry work, so. And turning to uh, Perry, oh, go ahead, David. Sorry, David, but if I may, just to, to piggyback on what, uh, what Felice was just saying, uh, I, I think it's important to frame the work that we are doing with Project Music. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it's not a music program, per se. It is a youth development program that incorporates music. Uh, and so when we are... A, you know, addressing the fact that we are serving a community um, that is primarily people of color, 
it's it's not just anti-racism in the sense of pushing back against systemic racism, but it's also anti-racism in that we are building up skills among uh, people who are black, indigenous, um, Latino, the black and brown community uh, to be able to advocate for themselves. Uh, and, I, and I think that's very important and to be able to uh, coordinate with CARI work uh, across uh, different organizations and platforms can only enhance that value. Thank you. Um, Carrie, so you are in the unique position of working for an institution over which you have quite a bit of control, but nested within an organization within which you have perhaps very little control. Um, yes. Um, uh, yes. And it, and, and it has been a challenge. Um, before I, I talk a little bit more specifically about some of the things that we've been working on, I did want to just say that, and, I, and some people have touched on this, but um, I think part of the reason the carry work has been so important is that it aligns with my thinking that art, the arts and culture sector has an incredible responsibility in this time, because I, I believe with all my heart that that arts and culture is how we change hearts and minds. And, um, and particularly, I mean, in, in a museum environment, you know, to, well, I guess any environment, I just see it all through the lens of fine art, but you know, that the, the ability to share the, the artwork and the stories and the, um, the, the incredible history of, of, of black art, black art history, um, you know, that, it's it's so important and um and museums in particular right now i think are feeling you know i'm i feel very fortunate my museum is 10 years old um i would not want to be a a 200 year old museum right now um but i think museums are having to grapple with the perceptions that they are places that are um with incredible racist and colonialist and um elitist histories. So, you know, that's something that's on my mind all the time. I mean, I'm lucky I don't have, I don't have any, I don't have a collection of indigenous art, for example, you know, that I um, need to be worrying about um, as much as I would love to have indigenous art to, uh, to exhibit and celebrate. I, I don't have the colonialist um, issues that come with those collections. Um, but um, in terms of projects that we've been working on, I mentioned that when last summer we, we wrote uh, a list of things that we felt we could take action on. Um, and uh, I, I'm not gonna go through them all, but they, we've been working hard on them. And we're really excited this summer. We couldn't pull it off because of COVID, but next summer we're gonna have a um, paid blacking, paid internship for um, BIPOC. Um, Art museum, you know, professional, someone who who wants to work in that field, because um, I think that's so yeah. important in diversifying, you know, our staffs. Um, um, we're continuing to really seek out and create exhibitions that celebrate Black art, Black artists, and hiring guest curators who are Black. <clears throat> um, you know, something like anti-race, uh, anti-bias training, you know, I've been doing this carry project, but I think everyone at the university should be doing, you know, um, anti-racist, anti-bias training. And that, that hasn't happened yet. I'm, you know, I'm like trying to figure out how to make that happen. But, um, but I do want to mention, we created a black art fund when we took a look at our collection and realized that we had virtually no art by um, any black artists. Um, so we're, we're create we're, we created a fund and we're, 
hoping to start buying art um, in the fall um, in conjunction with a class on African-American art history to work with the students and the professor to, to um, do some um, buying there. I'm also working um, with at the university level with a, an organization that's existed for a long time, but I simply hadn't known about it called Racial Justice is Social Justice. And um, I'm also working with a group that's seeking to strengthen our ties, the university's relationship and ties with the Golden Hill Pagusset and um, work on a land acknowledgement for the museum that hopefully will be adopted by the entire university. Oh, that's quite a plateful that you have. <laughs> um, so Jenna, um, you've touched a little on the project that you're working in. I was particularly um, interested in the connection you were making between environmental justice and social justice. Um, would you like to say any more about that or any other aspect of your project? Um, yeah, so... Maybe where, maybe where people can see it. I know you have one disappearing um, koala in, in Westport. Yeah, yeah. So thanks to David and John for... I've been developing this project and they've spent quite a bit of time just kind of walking me through it and um, talking about it. And my approach was to give especially students, although it's open to anyone, an art opportunity um, and to make a connection and empower students, especially over quarantine with all the limitations we have. I felt the sense of urgency that if we're feeling like we have to wait for the world to open, just imagine all these kids at home and that yeah. just keeps me up at night. So I thought of making connections initially of communities affected by climate change. Um, and then it started, I started to realize, well, that's also tied into, you know, the indigenous story, um, communities that are disadvantaged. So everything kind of ties together. Um, so it's based on two people connecting. It could be an individual or an organization and each person tells their story. Uh -huh. And then the other person or organization or group creates an artwork inspired by the other person's story. And they're given the creativity to create it in any way they want. And I thought that was, this is definitely an example of that came out of Kari and discussions with um, John and David. Um, Cause even the materials themselves, I could say, well, you have to use oil paint to create this painting, but maybe there's something else we could, they could use. And for example, there's a group in Paraguay and I enlisted a teacher to connect with um, my friend in Fairfield. And I said, well, you can use, you know, vanishing chalk or cause I do vanishing murals. And she said, but I said, you know, whatever you can think of to do. And she came up with this sustainable, you know, corn and, um, uh, sculpture that actually could be fed back to the animals and people. And like, if I had never asked, you know, what other materials would you like to use? I never would have heard. And then it's, it's just asking those questions. Like what, yeah. this is an idea. Um, how would you like to see it, you know, applied to your personal story? And also if they do need help saying, I would like to make a sculpture, then people from artists from Connecticut have said, okay, you know, we can help give, technical advice if you like it, so. That's great. That's mm -hmm. uh, just wonderful, wonderfully creative. And um, as an example of how 
comparatively small projects may have very large impact, I think. Well, you know, we are um, very close to being out of time. We just have a couple of minutes left. I was going to ask you if there were unexpected um, allies or strange resistance that you've come across, but um, you, you're welcome to answer that. But any other last words, uh, either on that subject to your other, to your Carrie colleagues or to our audience uh, today? Um, David. I think one of the things that has been um, very gratifying in this work um, is to get to know people in their individual journeys in understanding racism and uh, how they've experienced it, how it impacts them, um, because it's not simply an issue for you know people of color. It's an issue for everyone. And to see people beginning to come to terms with that and to, um, to struggle productively with that uh, is very important. And that's something that I would want everyone to think about, whether they're in the arts community or, or not, um, that racism affects all of us uh, in, in some ways and, and uh, to all of our detriment if we don't address it. So I would encourage people to continue to have that, that uh, productive struggle and um, to work together collectively to, uh, to move on. Uh, we have less than one minute. Um, Kimberly, you have the last word. Okay, so something that crossed my path recently that I found very useful to keep in mind and I think it would be beneficial for everyone is not only to feel like you need to be able to give voice to people who haven't had it before, but to also remember to listen, the voices have been out there and to make sure that when you are putting effort in, you are listening to those who have already been been trying to talk to you and trying to tell you what's been going on. Oh. Thank you. That's an important uh, lesson for us all. Well, I want to thank you all very much. I'm, the time has just flown by. We could certainly have an engaging second hour. Um, so thank, thank you all. And um, I'm looking forward to continuing our work together in Kari. This is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County. You have been listening to our May edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, our monthly interview show on WPKN 89.5 FM. Today, our subject was our own program, Collective Action Against Racism and Inequity. Our guests were artist Jana Irejo from Project Music in Stamford, Executive Director Felice Miller-Barretts and Board Member David Tate also principal at the Clunan Middle School in Stamford, executive director of the Center for Contemporary Printmaking in Norwalk, Kimberly Henriksen, and Frank and Clara Meditz, executive director at the Fairfield University Art Museum, Carrie Weber. Please send in any questions or comments you have to me at 203-256-2329. 203-256-2329. Two three two nine. If you missed part of the broadcast or just want to hear it again, you can hear the show on WPKN podcasts on SoundCloud. I'm David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County. Please tune in Monday, June the 14th for the next edition 
of Spotlight on Arts and Culture.